They're taking Cherubin Pot strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. So of course I'm busting gunny paper, not under the gunnels where it should be, is Ooh. it? Uh-oh. Hey, what's going on? Smith! Oh, showtime. Great. Yeah, let's go. Quick, Quick hurry up. Drink up. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos and welcome to Tales from the Tinny on a week where it's getting bloody hot. It's fair to say we are moving now swiftly into, as we mentioned last week, the, uh, the jock rot season. Hot, sweaty and some evidence that it's translating to water temps already and, and Barra across the top end. Some stunning reports over the next hour or so, particularly of uh, land-based, coastal, you know, the rocky foreshores around the coastal areas of the top end with some serious size um, barra coming in. One of them a $1.20, another one a 98.5 to be exact. Meanwhile, the blue water continuing to fish terrifically. Everybody keeps talking about the oil rig, getting a bit tiresome unless you own a tackle shop and are selling thousands and thousands of jigs for all those getting lost. And Warren DeWitt, the Ayatollah, of course, of the DKVR, join us momentarily to give us a wrap of the big rivers across his parish. Robert Smith, obviously, I am not, for he has taken a leave of absence, get back aboard his boat and find himself as a person. We have the pleasure of the company of a man who we first met on deployment in Pakistan and has been with us ever since for nearly a decade. Packy Andy, g'day. G'day, mates. Good to still be with you and with life. And with life. <laughs> that is positive, to still be alive. That's a win. We last heard from you just last week, updating us on the, uh, the progress of your, your daughter and her fishing exploits. What a proud, what a proud father. Oh, I'm still proud. We're reeling in it. It was just a wonderful achievement. She caught her first barra. She caught her first barra, 43 centimetres. Yeah, we had mused, as you've kept us up to track with her progress, Andy, about how much you're manipulating, you know, the audio and what you're sending into the tinny so that your wife hears it in order to sort of back your argument of going fishing more often. There's father and daughter time. Absolutely. It's more than that, mate. It's family time too. And I might add that um, this week we locked in two trips in the next three months. Yellow Waters. You and Abbas. With the family. No, it's family time now. We've expanded it. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're on a winner. It's all about the timing, isn't it? And, uh, then, and then I slipped one in too with some mates to Anson Bay in October. Oh, fabulous. While we were getting approval signed off, I thought we might as well put that one <laughs> put that put, put that one to the CEO. That's it. And well, she signed it. But she just kept signing. Kept signing. What What's the plan in October? Had you deliberately picked uh, a nice-looking set of tides there? Yeah, there's a decent set of tides, and the plan is... Um, to take two boats out there for four days and sleep on the boats up the Ansons for four nights. Four nights, terrific. Four nights on the boat, yeah. 
So tides coming off the back of the neeps as they're building? Yeah, off the back of the neeps, um, two bikes on each boat and literally sleep up the river for four nights. Yeah, wonderful. Which is a fair, fairly long stint. Good, yeah. Good time to explore. On the tinny over the next hour or so, we explore the notion of resilience and how important it is aboard your tinny, including how to fish without a fingernail, having just lost one. Uh, it, it can't be easy when it's on your thumb to operate a baitcaster. And how to be resilient in the face of a pounding from your mates because you left the bungs out of your boat. It is really, in terms of rookie errors, Andy, it's up there with the with the top rookie errors of all time. Uh, forgetting fuel, like not not taking enough fuel. Yeah, putting fuel in your rod holders. Oh, yeah, that's... That, a, that's up there, isn't it? Well, is it really a rookie error? I know a lot of experienced fishers who, in the days of a 4am launch, a 4am visit to the servo, yeah, they've, had, they've been running the same boat for 15 years. Yeah, true. Fuel still goes in the rod holder. That's right. You done it? Yeah. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> yes. Long time ago. I was tired. I'd only sleep for a couple of hours. That's my excuse. How many litres on the floor of the boat before you woke up? Oh, no, up? it was just a little squirt. No. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the bungs were in, though. Yeah, bungs out of the boat on launch. Rookie error. And altruism on the water on the tinny this week. When you see a bloke struggling, you're on your boat with a land base attempting to land a metre 20 barra off the oyster rocks. You know, what can you do to help? What should you do to help? Stay tuned. This is Tales from the Tinny. Mackerel lure started kind of coming up and there was a huge marlin going next to it, so it's right beside the boat. So we yelled at him to keep going, keep going. We drove along slowly next to the marlin, so for about... 150 to 200 metres, the marlin was next to us about probably 10 metres to our right and hitting his lure at the same time, whacking it. Finally took it. I then proceeded to uh, empty the bin with about eight cans and tie myself a daisy chain. (laughs) Daisy chain and got screwed out to make skipping bait. (laughs) He is just Just smacking back cans. cans Give me some aluminium! Tales from the Tinny. Warren DeWitt, the Ayatollah of the DKVR. G'day to you, Warren. Afternoon, Tim. It's a bit of an unusual situation. We've got you in the studio and no Rob. Yeah, he's taken five weeks off. Gone to have a vasectomy or something. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's quite sure. Be wearing a sarong for some time and nursing himself. <laughs> Uh, it's been pretty blowy down your way, mate, as it has uh, has further north. Yeah, yeah, the wind is really up today, um, so it's been fairly strong all week, actually. So it's limited the amount of people that can get out on the Gulf side or on that east coast of the um, of the Northern Territory. So most of the fishing is sort of last weekend when the neap tides were on, which was quite good on the Vic. There was up to 20 fish getting caught um, by most boats that were down there during the day. So fishing's still pretty good on the Vic, and it's only going to get better. It's probably going to drop off a little bit with this wind and blowing like it is. But once this wind gets through and we go back into our hopefully build-up, um, September's normally a really good month for the Vic. If you want to lure fish, you've got to fish on those neap tides because obviously your clear water is what you're looking for. And during those neap tides, obviously the water gets clearer further down the river as it gets sucked down on those low tides. So... You want to go out there on just maybe just after the neap. Sometimes it's too neap and um, you don't get the better fish until 
the start of the movement of those uh, building tides coming off those neaps, which is pretty much the same thing as what the daily does. You know, we, we talk about those tides when you're on the daily that you need a little bit of movement, but you still got that clean water well downstream towards, you know, Alligator Head and, and Elizabeth and that area there. So you get that clear water, you're going to find fish, I reckon. How far down do you generally tra- travel? Well, you go right down to the junction of the west, uh, the east and west bains, or the or the bains where it comes into the Victoria River. Um, and most of the time, you sort of find that clear water will sort of be really all the way down to Growlers Bar, which is just above the the junction of the bains and the and the Vic River. It gets pretty shallow just below Growlers Bar. Um, it becomes a little bit more. Uh, quicker flowing over that shallow water and it'll pick up a bit of sediment and get a bit dirty. So it's probably best to stay upstream a little bit and just stick in that uh, four to five metres of water um, and look for the channels and the rock bars. Um, Basically those fish will be hanging around those deeper water and looking for that green coloured water as it moves further and further downstream as the tides become deeper and deeper. Warren, some reports of fish being caught out of the Catherine River. Yeah, very surprising actually. I was talking to a couple of blokes who uh, went on two different fishing trips. One bloke went down to the low level and was using a a jitterbug on the surface and uh, caught himself a 74 centimetre barra. And another bloke who was using a lure up in the gorge uh, got himself an 86 centimetre barra. So there's a couple of good fish coming out of the Catherine River. And actually I was up in the gorge on... Uh, Tuesday night doing one of those dinner cruises and the river up there just absolutely looks fantastic at the moment so it'll fish pretty good once we go back into a bit more build up and a bit more water temperature lifts up in the in the temperature you'll find those fish will come back on the bite and and probably it'll fish pretty good again I reckon. Yeah you would have heard the report last week of some of the kakadu billabongs fishing well I couldn't help myself and headed out there over the weekend Warren the fishing wasn't as electric as it had been but for places like Yellow Waters, Home and Martigal, still pretty solid and good fish around the mid mid to high 60s. It was mid-afternoon when the bite came on. Do you subscribe to, to a relationship between bite times in the billabongs and the moon? Yeah, that's that's you were on the button there, buddy. That's what it would have been. It would have been more the moon setting or the rising of the moon that you get that window of um, opportunity, I suppose, or when they're feeding. Uh, more than maybe early morning, late afternoon. And, and later in the year, I suppose, we'll operate a little bit more on that because it's more cooler for us in the morning and late, late in the afternoon when we get into that build-up. But certainly I've noticed um, it's definitely more the tide and the moon phase, which are related, um, that really fire those fish up most of the time. So even in freshwater even in billabongs. billabongs. Yeah, even in billabongs. I've noticed it lots of times um, and you'll you'll pick up a, a hot bite for some reason and you're scratching your head trying to work it out. But if you look at where the moon is at that stage, you'll either find it's just coming up or just or just setting. Nine times out of ten is why those fish are coming on the bite. On the you might have seen on Facebook some really good reports of land base close into shore those rocky headland type areas around the top end with some stonking you know september barra one of them a dollar 20 yeah no that's really good and that's really good for i suppose the upcoming wet season build up because already those big fish are turning up at those um rocks and all the rest of those headlands and that's and that's one of the great things about up here at this time of year when you go into the build up you don't really need a boat you just need to look for the right structure off land-based areas that you can really do well and everyone knows about the ones around Dundee and Bino Harbour they are classic barra big barra haunts for the build-up where they're coming in close you get that nice clear 
no wind in the morning, clear water, and then you'll find those fish coming right in there on the incoming tide. Just on the top of the tide, you'll see a bite window come through and you'll find those fish hanging around those rocks looking for a feed. And then they'll drop back down and move away as that tide drains away from those rocks and exposes them during the bottom of the tide. Warren, you might have seen some of the Facebook pages and a, a fair bit of a movement among some wreck fishers to start kicking commercial netters out of you know a bigger stretch of the Darwin coastline, including down at Anson Bay. What's Afant's position on that? Is it is it time to move them on? All you're going to do is push the problem somewhere else. There's not that appetite at the moment for more buybacks, is there? Well, there may be with the restructure of the commercial barramundi fishery if the, if that comes about i mean it, it's one of those things that has to be worked through through the barramac you know look it's difficult i mean we've got a lot of area already closed off in the northern territory to commercial fishing and it's one of those things that you've got to have a balance i suppose between being able to still supply wild caught barramundi to the market and you know it's it's one of those things as soon as you move and close another area are you just making a problem somewhere else and you need to have a balance where what happens like when we close the Mary River or out the front of Mary River at Chambers and Fink Bay the the government of the day bought back five commercial barramundi licenses to help take away that effort from the displacement of not being able to fish out the front there anymore at at, uh, Chambers and Fink Bay so those are the kind of conversations we have to have within the industries to see whether there is appetite from the government to buy back commercial licenses and if there is a need Um, and I know there's always conflict between wreck fishermen and commercial fishermen in those hot areas such as Anson Bay, Fog Bay are the two areas that you know mostly you'll see a lot of that conflict coming around you know you're damned if you do and damned if you don't And, and the government you know has to look at it and see whether there is a great benefit by doing it otherwise it won't benefit by just shifting the commercial fishermen somewhere else. Good on you, Warren. Great to catch up again. Thanks, fellas. Ahoy to Buddha, the Mexican uh, potty mullet we've caught up with over the last few weeks. After we heard from him last week, I couldn't help myself. Andy headed out to join him at home Yellow Waters for a fish. As I mentioned to Warren earlier, he'd been hitting massive pods of, uh, you know, 30 or so barra to high 70s, right hanging in the middle of the billabong, which had quietened down, of course, a little bit by the time I got there. Fishing's still good for billabongs, though. Just if you got the timing when they were ready to feed, you could. the key was using the sounder to find them along the side of those lily, lily pads. And you'd see them holding in pods of, you know, 10 or 15 on the side scan and then just hang in there and work out when they're feeding, which turned out to be sort of mid-afternoon and a few good fish, as I mentioned, around the 60s or 70s. Busy out there for September, though. Really, really? Oh, it was wall-to-wall with Jorgen Jorgens. Ah, Everywhere. You ah. know, when you set up your tent and wake up next minute and there's uh, about three tents within a five-square sort of little radius of you? Yes. Personal space and Europeans. No. It's just a different world. It is, it is. It's Sydney living in Kakadu. It's, sadly, it was Sydney living in Kakadu. 
Ben Chalmers on Facebook, ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. This was an agenda-setting little report, Ben. A dollar twenty horse off the rocks around Darwin, he said. Don't give too much info away. Well, as is his right. He's worked hard on this spot, been going out there for a decade or so, land-based. Clearly on oyster rocks, looks a lot like the oyster rocks uh, on the foreshore of Dundee. Not ours to guess. No, no, no. We just care and need to honour the metre 20 land-based in September. Absolutely. Topped his PB by six centimetres. And a shout-out to the fella nearby who brought his tinny over so he could jump on board and finish the fight. The pics on, on Facebook are beautiful. Have a look. He, he slung one of the photos, he slung the metre 20, which was successfully released, by the way, mm. over his shoulder. Like a man takes a bag of salt from the boot of the car to dump in the pool. Or, or like a man, might, or some men, might take their newlyweds to the bedroom. Or some women might take their new husbands to the bedroom. Amazingly, we managed to track down that fella who helped Ben out, brought the boat over to help him hop aboard and finish the fight. I'm Lachlan Casburn from Gun. Yeah, we went out to Pocock's Beach, helped the fella get a metre 20 barrow in the boat. You say helped the fella get a metre 20 in the boat pretty casually, but that's a pretty good fish. It was pretty impressive. We were just out on some rocks there and they were just land-based and we um, just cast some lures back in towards them and we saw this bait come up down where they were and all of a sudden there it was, it was out of the water and he was on and um, we kept casting around for probably another five minutes and a few times we thought oh, I dropped it by that point but when you look over, no, he was still on. And then at that point they started yelling out, you know, come over, come, come with the boat. So we went over and he jumped on and we fought the fish for a bit there and we got it up to the side of the boat and he goes, oh, you got a net? No, we didn't. So um, with a bit of a struggle, we ended up pulling it over the side by the gills. Phenomenal. You deserve an honourable mention, Lachlan. Yeah, it was the only thing we could do, you know, help out a fellow fisherman. We'd hope someone else would do the same for us. In tribute to your genuine courage in battle, your veneer of grace in defeat, and your facade of humility in victory. Be kneeling, humble fisho, as we knight and award thee a Tales from the Tinny Honourable Mention. Well deserved. Well deserved. Sensational work. Yeah. Yeah, great fish. Well done, Ben. And well done, Lachlan. Absolutely. Look, Lachlan's also been fishing out at West Alligator Head. He was doing a recce for the first time out there just to, uh, to check things out with his mates. They learned a few lessons and caught a few fish. We learned don't try to come back in at low tide because you've got a lot of mud flat to walk. How far was the mud flat? Uh, it'd be a couple of hundred metres. The rocks are pretty good out there. Um, don't troll too close. You'll hit them with your motor. Do any damage? Nah, just skimmed over the top. Crocs? Any crocs out there? Well, I've heard of really, really big ones, but we didn't see any that time. But the stories, you know, you'd believe them out there. The Middle Beach campground actually has a fence around it, so the crocs don't crawl into your bed at night. How did you get around that with your boat? Well, we carried it over the fence so we could launch it. <laughs> so then we didn't have to put in at the really boggy boat ramp. We had a 3.7 on a trailer, so we just took the motor off and carried it over through the gate and... Off we went, hooked it all back up on the other side and we headed out from there. How was the fishing? It was pretty good. Got a couple of salmon. Um, some other fellas there went out wide onto the reefs and got a heap of jewies and snapper. Yeah, they got they bagged out on goldies and got two big metre 20 jewfish. They went out about 5k's out from the beach and they were just fishing on um, in about 5 metre of water just on open reef sort of thing. They nearly got spilled a couple of times by them and 
they got some coral trout and stuff as well, so a good bit of reef. Might have to go back with a bigger boat next time. And the road? Yeah, the road was horrendous. Um, the corrugations are about as bad as they get. Um, once you get across the floodplain, it gets a bit worse. Uh, the grader never makes it past the floodplain, so it's, it's rough as it gets. Little 3.7 and trailer come back in okay condition? Yeah, well, it was only the second trip we've had in that tinny, and we worked out if it survived that road, it survived any, so it looks like some more trips out there to come. And you can lift it over a six-foot-high cyclone mesh crock fence. Yeah, it's light enough to do that, and it's sort of big enough to keep you safe from the crocs, we hope. Lachlan out at West Alligator Head. Jordan Van Heron has also hoitus on faceache. He's taken his sister out to West Alligator Head for a fish, and the results you can see on Facebook, a stonker of a fish, 98.5 centimetre chrome model barra. Yeah, he did say to his sister, Ali, I think it was her fourth fish or something, mm. And he's a real stickler, uh, Jordan, for accuracy in measuring to the point where he uses a board instead of a, a mat or a sticker because there's some variance in both those. Oh, there's some UV variance, isn't there? Yeah, and look, look at on a mat. He reckons you can stretch or contract yes. to your whim. When it was at 98.5, he, I mean, it's, it's blood. It's his sister. Mm. But he, there's no way he was giving her the extra 1.5, no. not even an extra 0.5. No, I mean, he shouldn't. I mean, a rule's a rule, isn't a it? A rule's a rule. Beautiful picks too. Fantastic photos. Yeah. Beautiful fish. Dewey, Goldies, Dewey's, Barrow and Green Cans. The whole, uh, the whole range. That's, that's a mixed bag. <laughs> yeah. Steel Tor on Facebook made a comment on that post. Those fish are brighter than my future. <laughs> <laughs> Stick with it, Steel. I, mean, I don't know how, things, how bad things are for you at the minute. It's not that bad. Gaz Clough, g'day. Uh, Sean Moore caught this monster Jewfish. Head out to, uh, headed out to Channel Point. During the morning, a shark caught the body. Unfortunately, you want at least a little bit of flesh when you get sharked on a, you know, on a meter plus Dewey. He only got the head back. Oh well, make <laughs> make some soup, mate. Yeah, make some Jewfish, Jewfish head soup. You'll hear later how if you get just the swim bladder back, <laughs> the yeah. shark takes the rest. They're worth serious coin. Anyway, uh, and Elizabeth on Facebook, ABC Tales and the Tinny. Here's a pic of a couple of girls in a punt. The, the punt, they're in their backyard. It's filled to the gunnels with water. At night, they got a drink in hand and the thong's just floating uh, at, in the, at the front of the punt. Welcome to our tales from the tinny, say the girls. We were having a barbecue, thought it was bloody hot. We need to keep cool. Threw around a few ideas, uh, like a blow-up pool, too boring. Tarp in the back of the ute, yeah, it's been done. So they scurried around and found a couple of old uh, punts in the, in the spear grass, made one into a pool and got stuck into it. Thanks, Elizabeth, and to Becky for sending in the pic. You can do the same at ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. You can email us anytime via fishing at abc.net.au or just give us a hoy on 1300 mullet. Shoot it, share it, shout it. Give us a hoy. Don't miss a moment of Tales from the Tinny. You can always download this whole show or any other episode from the Tinny Facebook page, ABC Radio app or your preferred podcast provider. G'day, this is Kat from Palmerston. Last weekend we headed out to Town Hall again. Uh, it's nice and easy, we like it out there. Uh, went out with the expectation of getting Jewies as always and yet again we managed to get ourselves on a Mackie. Baby got Mac.
sat there for a little while. We're just getting some little fish. So as we had before, put them on as liveies, uh, chucked one on my rod and reel combo and I managed to get myself on a big white shark. We nicknamed him Moby Dick because he was huge. I was trying to get the bastard in. I was whining like crazy. Dan's telling me just let the rod do the work. So I kept whining and then must have been 10 minutes. It felt like three hours. Pumping, pumping. Yep, I'm done. I've got nothing left, babe. You need to take over. And I'm sort of there waiting with shears in one hand and lippies in the other hand going, I don't know what the I'm going to do, but I'm ready once we get this bastard up to get it off. So anyway, then I got a bit bored with that and I thought, oh, well, I'm going to chuck a livey on, put it in the rod holder, it's off. And he's like, now you got a Mackie on. He's still like cranking it, trying to get this bloody shark in. Suddenly double hook up. I've got a Mackie on. I'm going off my nuts, you know, swearing this and that, carrying on singing and managed to get it up to the boat. He's kind of trying to manoeuvre the shark away from the boat because we're worried that they're going to get tangled. Grabbed the line, reefed it in, it's in the boat and he's like, that's it, babe, it's all you. Meanwhile, he's still hanging on and he's dying trying to get this shark. You'd obviously remembered to have the bail arm over this time when it struck. Yes, the bail arm was over and uh, yeah, the tension was good. So yeah, we got plenty of good, uh, noises coming from the reel. And last time you contacted us, uh, the esky was too small. You had to use your old man's tin snips. Yes, we definitely took the big esky. Um, it was after the first time we decided that we'd always hedge our bets, so we definitely had it. Four bags of ice, we were ready to go. Got him in the esky, uh, cut his throat with the tin snips, back to hubby with the shark that he was still fighting. We had the wire trace, so it snapped it off the line. Uh, and then that was it. We were like, shit, that's game over, righty-o. Baby got... Yeah, baby, this baby got Mac. Three from three, we're having a good time. Town Hall, I'm telling you it's where it's at. I don't know if that's why everyone's going out there. I don't know if anyone else is catching any Mackies out there, but we sure as shit are, and we're going to keep on going for it until it stops. Little in the middle, but you got much back. Katrina Mullane. She's got a problem, though. Uh, she sorted out the problem with catching the, the previous two Mackies, she'd caught at that spot. Her and her hubby both hooked up without the bail arm over, so just got free-spooled. She sorted that problem. Next problem is, having got three from three, baby got Mac. Uh, she reckons whenever they have success, all they want to do, as you would, is crack a beer. Together. A bonding moment. Like you and your daughter, Abby. You'll be having a beer together soon. Couple of years. <laughs> They never, ever have one left, she reckons. Every time they get a Mackie, there's only one beer left in the esky. Then they have to argue over who's getting it or share it, and that's not good enough. How, how does that happen? Poor seven-piece. That's right. Piss-poor preparation and prior planning p- p- performance pee Pee. But that pre- prevents pee. something. I, th- I think it's become a superstition. I think it <laughs> yeah, has. You know, you're like you take beers and you're not going to catch. Anyway, mm. just take more. It's not bad luck, Katrina. It's not bad luck. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get them while I love you. <laughs> G'day, I'm John from Humpty Doo. But I am Jim from um, Howard Springs. Are you sure, Jim? Yeah, mate. Had an interesting trip last weekend, boys. Yeah, I believe we did. We uh, heading up to Hotham there for about two days and... Had the boats ready, heading out about 4.30 in the morning, decided to give Jim a quick call to make sure he's up, and it turns out he wasn't awake. 
got to Saltwater Arm about 4.45 in the morning, started packing the boats and getting everything ready and so I put my boat in and waiting for Jim to put his in. And uh, he, he put his boat in about 30 seconds, 40 seconds later. I noticed the back of his transom sitting a little bit lower than usual, put the headlight on it. Yeah, about an inch of freeboard left and what was that Jim? Uh, yeah, left the bungs out. I just yelled out and called out to Jacko, mate, and asked him if, if he had the bungs in the boat, and he turns around to check, and Jim's standing there on the ramp still, and uh, there was a look on his face of that, nah, the bungs weren't in. Just a bit of a surprise look of what to do next. <laughs> yelled out and called out to Jacko, mate. Jacko, bring the boat back in, mate. Punched my boat back to the boat ramp, jumped out, and, uh, you know, nearly waist deep to rip Jim's boat around on the boat ramp and pulled the arse end up of it to get the bungs in. Jacko, looking at the boat sinking while standing in it. <laughs> yeah, um, the jerry cans were floating. Yeah, all the reels and that were covered in salt water. The swags were wet. Camping gear was wet. This is what happens when you leave the bungs out at the boat ramp, mate. Yeah. No more piss for you. <laughs> swags wet and all. Good job. <laughs> Only managed to save the smokes. Wallet was soaked. The keys were soaked. Keys have still got salt resin on them. Phone was under. The Yui boom was under. Case of beer, the bottom fell out of it when uh, old Jacko went to lift it back up to the front. Um, that's about it. Jim, did you think the degree to which your mates stuck it into you was sufficient? Yep. Yeah, they, they, they really got up me. Got to, um, got to camp and John's old man absolutely fed it to me. Oh, it's if you'd leave the bungs in. I thought you were a bit better than that, but you must be still a f***ing amateur. Pulled the back of the boat in, sort of sat at the ramp, let the bilge pump drain the water out for, yeah, Jim said about half hour there, and then we got in our way up to Hotham. But to, con to continue the trip, that didn't go too well either, with minimal fish getting caught. We got a few rats, a few small barra, not, not too many goldies, one, one or two small salmon, and, yeah, it was just not our weekend. It's fair to say that the leaving of the bongs out was the most exciting bit about the trip. Yeah, that's about, that's about right. Yeah, well, the other thing that happened, um, me and my mate Jacko in my boat, you know, he's a bit blind and leaned back on the chair and we hit a wave and the chair snaps and off. I said, oh, mate, look out, them rods are there. And, yeah, he didn't decide to move out. Got back to anchor and the boat's up and the old chronic, she was snapped in half. Esky landed on one of the deep sea rods and bent all the eyelets in. Is this one of these sort of, like, learning the hard way, you know, kind of thing, I'm never going to bloody do this ever again? Not really, because that's the second time at that boat ramp. <laughs> that's the second time. <laughs> So it's not really fair to say you've learnt your lesson? Not really, but let's hope for next time. John, is this something that, that you would do? No, definitely not, you know. I've got a little checklist there, what I check off as I'm putting the boat in, and the bungs are number one. You need a checklist, Jim. Yeah, it'll be, um, it'll be sure be on the next, next trip. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jimbo. Tales from the Tinny. greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. Tales from the Tinny At least they saved the smokes. 
John and I think there was a Jacko somewhere and a Jimmy. Now, we've long maintained, Andy, that, that if your name's Jimmy, you're the best wingman of all time, ever reliable. Every, Never... Everyone needs a Jimmy on there. Yeah, everyone, everyone needs everyone a Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Jimmy. Help me, Jimmy. Come on, Jimmy. It appeared, I think, though, this Jimmy was the dude who let the, the mob down. Oh, he's damaged the reputation of Jimmy's all around the world. Beard, were there three blokes here, Jacko, Jimmy and Jono? That's true. And it would seem that it was both Jimmy and Jacko that let the team down on this occasion. So, so whose boat was it? Jimmy's. And so Jimmy's ultimately responsible for the bungs. He's the one who left the bungs out. Jacko's, uh, Jacko just hasn't been real helpful in that situation. Okay, uh, so Jacko's let Jimmy down, but Jimmy is the ultimate... Letter downer. Letter downer. He's the yeah. man ultimately responsible. Jacko hasn't come to. So who the hell's John? <laughs> John's the one that oversees it. He's the capable one that has just uh, watched the watched it all in soup. <laughs> the funniest thing was it's the second time, and they admit no lessons have been learnt. We've learnt nothing. It's the second time. You'd think that you'd find solace, you know, in the fact that. Oh, well, we've done that once, we won't do it again. They're going to do it again, aren't they? Yeah, that yeah, that didn't happen this time. It was just sort of, uh, you know, vague promises about maybe some sort of list. <laughs> vague, vague non-committal, weren't they? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll, I'll make a list. Oh, let's do a checklist, yeah, and then, and then we'll just forget to do that. Yeah, we'll forget <laughs> to take the checklist. <laughs> hey, Jimmy, uh... you've let down every one of your namesakes. Very, very, very disappointing, Jimmy. There is a fine line between fishing and just standing on the shore like a gormless idiot. The two are not, however, mutually exclusive. Tales from the Tinny. Phil Tarly Kubler has hoyed us, Timmy. Mm. He's had mates up from Melbourne and a few days off work. That's a good combination. Mm. And they've headed out to Fenton for a fish. Cleaned up pretty quickly after dropping anchor out there, and then they've gone, well, we've done so well with the Max and the Goldies and everything. Let me guess, we're halfway there, let's go to the rig? Let's go to the rig. (laughs) So they've had an entree of Fenton followed by a main of oil rig. Yeah, nice. (laughs) Taking the boys back to the ramp. And a full feed, I bet. A full feed, and said that's the way we roll in the Territory. Little flathead and snapper and whiting Melbournians. Yeah, yeah. One Mackie pretty much does it. Absolutely. When you're used to flatties. Did they, um, did they do much good out at the rig? Yeah, Max everywhere. Max yeah. jumping Same everywhere, as he says. It's hard to find anyone who goes out there, and it doesn't seem to be any relationship, much relationship to tides, who goes out there and doesn't get at least into a few. Oh, it sounds great. It's on my um, short-term bucket list. Have yeah. you been out yet? No. Nah. We should do a trip out there. I'm in. I'm on. Set the date. Locked in. I'm in. Can you just put the paperwork under your partner's nose? Get her to sign off on that. Mate, the pen's running hot this week. She'll <laughs> sign off on that. <laughs> hey, uh, Fisheries Minister Ken Vowles was out at uh, Shady Camp just today, uh, launching officially the, um, you're marking the completion of the new ramp. Got, you know, dual lanes, which is a big difference. It's 60 metres long, and I said, it's just going to really improve how you launch it, but how quickly you get through. We've got improved angles for launching uh, on appropriate tides, so... You know, a lot of work's been put into it, and it's just all about uh, making it easier and safer for anglers to uh, get in the water and catch a fish. 
And obviously, you've probably heard over the years, there's been a lot of talk, Andy, about fishos wanting to look at access further downstream to take yeah. the pressure off that ramp. Mm. You know, you've got 100 boats there in the runoff launching there, still all travelling uh, right downstream, down, to the, mouth, d- down right. to the mouth. It has been looked at. Alex Julius, um, who was out there at the launch, was asked about why the money was put into concreting an existing ramp mm. rather than putting that money towards new access further downstream. I did hear um, mention earlier about why uh, another ramp wasn't built downriver. That cost was just so prohibitive, and this project, I understand, was going to be left alone altogether. This is all we need. Yeah, too much coin, in other words. Uh, Meanwhile, in some other fishy news from the Boffins, how's this? An environmental study on the Top End's Daly River, this probably wouldn't surprise many Territorians, but that it's a high number, has found it's one of Australia's richest river systems in terms of diversity of fish. Michael Douglas, who's from the Uni of WA, did the project with other uh, science type boffins over 13 years, and the Daly holds quite a few species, it turns out. It's up in the top one or two across the country in terms of how many species. We've got about 60 species of freshwater fish and another 30 species of fish that live in the estuary that come up into the freshwater occasionally. So 98 species of fish that you can find at certain times in the freshwater here. And most of them you can catch and eat. Although a mate of mine who loves to just sample everything, Mm. he wants, uh, so he's done mullet, freshwater racing mullet, and... and he tried, what did he, he, he got once, a little scat. Oh, yeah. This is like a large scat in the fresh water of the daily. I know them. Yeah, and, and decided, yeah. I'm going to have a crack at this. So came back to campfire, wrapped it all up. And the smell that came out of the alfoil was mm. enough to make the whole camp wretch. Mm. He pursued it, even though as he opened it up, it was all just like a green bile oozing out of the fish. Because they're a, a, a eater of the vegetation... The rankest thing known to man. He tried it, but there you are. There's one species of the 98 at least that that it wouldn't be advised to sample. Well, that sounds like a delicacy. Another uh, delicacy is jewfish bladder. I'm not sure if you've tried that, Timmy. I'm not sure I have. But from the 1st of September, commercial fisheries are going to be required to use tags uh, on the black jewfish swim bladders. So this is an effort to um, regulate the black market. The prices... What they re- there's a black market there's in a, them. There's a black market in uh, Jewfish bladders, apparently. And the price is sort of 220 up to 500 bucks a kilo. Well, that's why there's a black market. Absolutely. A kilo? A kilo. And the average sort up of bladder... Up to 500 kg a kilo. For a kilo. On the streets. On the streets. You're doing deals out of the back of your ute. Out of the back of your... Down the Karama shops. Out of your boot. The jacket so, opens on the street corner and it's full of swim bladders. Yeah, that's right. Here's some cocaine, some... Some sunnies. And I'll grab a couple of bladders, mate. A couple of bladders from inside the trench coat while I'm there. I have heard they are quite tasty, though. Something like calamari or, you know, deep-fried fishy bits. I've never had them, but I looked up on the internet, and the, the recipe is um, swim bladder, oil and garlic, and oh. they make crispy bladder chips. Yeah, yum. All right, so fisheries are making... They want to tag them to make sure commercials are... It's all to legitimise the trade. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's um, some, some other changes forecast for the future too that might uh, apply to the recreational and the, the tour guide market as well. Oh, well, there you go. If you want to get in contact, you can do it via ABC Tales and the Tinny uh, on Facebook. Fishing at abc.net.au is the email address. You with Tim and Packy Andy on Tales from the Tinny.
Hi, my name's Katrina and I'm from Palmerston. So uh, on Saturday I uh, got up early because we were going to do a recce of corroboree. It was about five o'clock in the morning and uh, it was dark. I was getting my gear in the car and I ended up smashing my thumbnail into a post. At the time it hurt like hell. In fact, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. It was that painful. You were too excited and focusing <laughs> on the fishing, weren't you? Yes. and I To watch where your thumb was in relation right. to said pole? That's right. Um, yeah, so I had a quick look at it and uh, it seemed that about um, a third of it was still attached. There was a bit of blood and gore. But it had taken us four months to get together to do the recce of corroboree and we were two weeks out from comp. So I just had to move on and get on with it. You had to man up? That's it. I had to put my big girl's pants on. Concussion, broken leg, broken fingernail. Yes. You were committed. That's right, I was. And I didn't want to let my team down, basically. Over to Mel and Dave's. He found some tape in the console of his ute and we just taped it up. Electrical tape? I'm not sure what tape it was, but it did the job. So how's the pain level at this stage? Look, it wasn't great and it was very, it throbbed a lot and uh, if I held it in the air, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, but I didn't want to complain. I've had mates that have pulled the pin on fishing because they had a bad hangover. <laughs> no, it wasn't going to happen and our team motto is uh, quit bitching, get fishing. <laughs> quit bitching, get fishing. Yeah. And you did. Yes, that's right. So, um, yeah. Also a good opportunity to reinforce for any fishers that all you ever need in the boat to get out of a crisis is cable ties, fencing wire yes. and gaffer tape. Yeah, exactly. How'd the fishing go? We were flicking in some lilies and to be honest, I was just bringing my line in and suddenly this beautiful barra just came out from under the lilies and was following it and grabbed it and yeah, that was pretty exciting. So how did you go um, actually reeling the fish in? That was, that was difficult and um, there was a lot of screaming. Pain or joy? <laughs> well, I think the adrenaline was uh, kicking in then. So I think it was a bit of both. Yeah, so Dave got the net and I had hooked a barra before, but I'd never bought one onto a boat uh, at Corroboree. So I just really wanted that to happen. So I was just concentrating on that. But yeah, it is hard without a thumb. Yeah, having an opposable thumb is kind of a critical part of our evolution and being able to wind a bait caster back in. <laughs> how, how big was it? Let's just say it's the biggest one I've ever caught at Corroboree. <laughs> We're leaving it at that. <laughs> so 38 centimetres. We reckon it was 40 because you would actually get points for 40 in the comp. Hard work though. The recce Corroboree hasn't been fishing terrifically. No, it was a beautiful day and it was gorgeous and it was well worth it. It was worth the pain. All right, so the competition's next week, the Secret Women's Business. How are your preparations going generally as a team and are you excited for it? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're very excited. The thumb? Well, I don't think the bong water did it much good. So by Monday, uh, a trip to a doctor who was very impressed that I went fishing with my injury. But yeah, with some painkiller, um, he ripped it out, the rest of it out. All gone? All gone. Yes, it's really revolting, and that was actually, I think, more traumatic <laughs> getting it removed by flyers than the actual accident itself. Apparently it will grow back. Yeah, so I'm hoping that will happen. Critically, yeah. with a thumb that massive, yes. <laughs> you've got to fish seriously yes. in a week. Yes, I know, but I'm, I'm confident um, that uh, I'll be fine by the time the comp comes around. Well, if you're fishing... Your team is as good as your resilience. You guys are going to do outstandingly. 
Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Kelly did tell us last week that you all have to learn the lyrics to Justin Timberlake's Can't Stop the Feeling. I got this feeling inside my bones It goes electric wavy when I turn it on All through my city, all through my home We're flying when we Got that sunshine in my pocket, got that good soul in my feet, and that's it, boys. <laughs> How are those preparations going? Yeah, not great, to be honest. We haven't. We'll, we'll be doing that probably the day before, in the car on the way there. And when you think about it, they're pretty interesting lyrics, aren't they? Can't stop the feeling. It just keeps throbbing. It's killing me. <laughs> yes, I never thought of it that way, but yeah, you're right. Exactly. Yes. Good luck in the comp. Good luck with the thumb. Thanks for chatting. Okay, thank you. Thanks, boys. Still can't stop that feeling a week later. Goodness me. Fancy this, you know, trying to use a bait cast, you actually need a thumb. So instead of using the bung thumb, she's used the palm of her hand to activate. On that trip? On that trip. It's just dedication of a gold medal standard. Can you imagine actually doing that? I mean, you're out at Corroboree, you're going to cast a hundred times, a couple of hundred times, however many. Every time, bottom of her palm to, to free spool the bait caster. It just doesn't sound natural, does it? So is that how she's intending to fish the secret? It's completely, un- it's completely unnatural. This might be the introduction of handicaps in fishing competitions. Yeah, yeah you got to, you got to free spool, free spool with your elbow. She yeah. may want to consider a thread line or something just for the casting. Yeah, was she, is she intend? Was she intending to fish the secret women's business using her palm uh, to depress the free? Spool? I think she was. Yeah, yeah, that's dedication. Good on you, Katrina. Put the tinny on ice and enjoy this episode as a refreshingly fresh podcast at your convenience. Grab it from the Tinny Facebook page, ABC Radio app or your preferred podcast provider. G'day, I'm Shorty from Complete Angler. Been hitting the Adelaide? Yeah, we've been going down the last neeps and the neeps before that. Been going okay. What's okay, Shorty? You have high expectations. A month ago on those neeps, we got 23 barrel for the day up to... 70 I think and then the neeps just gone last weekend we got 10 bar up to 75 could have caught a lot more if my mates had stayed hooked to them they, the fishing was slow but we had to fish deep a lot of vibes down deep to get them and they were and it was more on the higher part of the tide not the not the low tide looking for snags and then casting vibes in getting right to the bottom and then jigging up are you shorting yeah pretty much mate I, I mean the week before I got most of my hard-bodied lures I'd still prefer to use a hard body if I can and just at about a 10-foot range, they were producing quite well. Just around the turn of the tide, the fish came up off the bottom. It was only a metre, metre and a half of movement, so they were pretty quiet. And we actually found them lying on a mud shelf on the corner of a creek. Surface lures didn't do it, but the vibes getting down there did, did get them, and that was on the high tide. Were they solid fish, silver fish? Yeah, they were. Um, 75 was the biggest, but they were, they were a good solid fish, yeah. And a lot in that, you know, a lot of legal stuff in amongst them. Been doing some flats fishing on similar tides that we're coming into too, Shorty? In the harbour. Yeah, went out these same sort of spring tides a few weeks ago. Went out my mate Wayne in his canoe down the Elizabeth and um, did quite well down there. How was it being in the canoe? Yeah, you've got to keep your balance and I'm not that great at it. But I uh, know it's all right. You can sneak into spots others can't get. You get some funny looks at the boat ramp, but... He's been doing that for 20 years and never had an issue with it. Um, and, yeah, no, that was a good day. We, we saw quite a few barra because well, we were tagging. I think we tagged 11 barra and one decent jack. 
probably miss that many again at least. Again, nothing big. I think 63 was the biggest, but a lot of fun. Now I went out yeah, with a couple of other mates, again fishing the flats, but different sort of style of fishing. I was fishing the mangrove lines, you know, and they, we fished areas that I thought was still too much water over them, but they obviously know better than I do, and running very shallow running lures, and I mean shallow in the end. Gold bombers were too deep. One of them was using soft plastics with a chin sinker, weedless, the other guys were using one of the, the just-under type lures. And so we started in deeper water along the mangroves. I thought too deep, but the barrel were there in reasonable numbers. And then as it shallowed down, it got to the stage where we gave it away because we were too far offshore because you couldn't get in close enough anymore just across the mangrove spikes. So they're hanging right in at the bottom of those trees? Yeah. Yeah. And so my assumption is that they're further back in, but they weren't. They were at the front as well. Landed six or seven again missed a lot because you you cast them makes reason when you hook them you're not using light gear you've got to really horse them out because if they go sideways a foot you're gone so you are heaving on them so you probably put, pull the hooks on a few but lesson for me to learn because um, I fish the harbour a lot and I've always admitted I've struggled in the harbour a bit and they'll probably never take me again now if I've mentioned all this <laughs> and how big's that fishing window there in the harbour when you're doing that sort of flats fishing depends if you're on the neeps you've got longer at it if you're on the springs that window can be in, in some areas half an hour so it's important to have different areas you know you can move to and you sort of I guess by experience and that's anywhere you've got to be at the right place at the right time and once you're finished there you've got to know where you go next and it's just that age-old technique isn't it of finding a place learning a place knowing a place and being able to go back to it and that's obviously what your mates have done yeah, correct. You, you've got to, if you, if you have a good session or you get a few fish, I think it's important to remember how high the water was there, you know, what the conditions were. Was it a run-out tide, run-in tide? And over time, you, I've got mates who keep diaries on every fish they catch for that simple reason of going back to it and reminding themselves uh, when and what they caught the fish on. What have you been hearing in the shop from other areas? Uh, I haven't heard a lot of barra fishing so much, a lot of blue water, and obviously the ore rig's getting a fair pounding. Um, we're selling a lot of jigs to, to people are going out there, and they're a lot of jigs and big soft plastics, and they're just losing what. So the rig's been good for business. It's a bloody good income maker for the tackle shops around Darwin, that rig, isn't it? Yeah, I, I just, I'm just wondering if the government can just buy it for us and <laughs> leave it there. That'd be a nice gesture, I think, to the fishing industry. <laughs> good on you, Shorty. We'll let them know. No worries, thanks boys. From across the vast expanses of the wild and untamed Tom End, intrepid tinny correspondents risk rampage and ridicule from crewmates to bring you the truth. Incoming, incoming, incoming. Hey tinny boys, it's the Stedmans out at Root Island. Went out fishing on the weekend. Uh, on the top of Bickerton, camped overnight for my son's birthday. Nothing much happening. We were just trawling around and uh, boys hooked up. Didn't know what it was. We were guessing, is it a shark? Is it a dewey? It was something big. Couldn't get to the boat. My son's nine years old, Aiden, little champion of a fisher. It came to the surface. His brother's yelling out, it's a mac, it's a mac. Biggest Mac! Giant move. Biggest Mac! Dead, 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 dead. 
That is a monster, mate. Take your time, eh? You're not getting him in anytime soon. That is a Goliath. Ah, there it goes again, mate. <laughs> Leave it out. Leave it out. But he was starting to get really cranky because he was just absolutely knackered, the poor little sausage. He got it to the boat, Dad got it in, and, and it was a 134 centimetre mackerel. It was a monster. Aiden was stoked, there was high fives, everyone was yelling, the dad was yelling at him, watch out for the teeth, be careful, they're really sharp. Got a few photos, dad was telling him that catching a 134 Mac is like catching a meter barra, so everyone was cheering. Myself and Ray, we have a rule with the boys, we've been fishing since they were probably about two years old, that if they can't uh, bring their fish into the boat, they're not allowed a photo with their fish. So they can hook it and bring it in if they give up halfway or they get any help, they're not allowed to get a photo. With the Stedman boys, if they're holding a fish, they've brought it in. Anyway, Stedman, living the dream on Great Island. Catch us next time. A hundred and thirty-four centimetres that Mackie. And have a look at the pick on Facebook. It looks even bigger than that. I mean I know it's in contrast against the kid, but that thing is massive. That's a ripper. Oh, Absolute yeah. ripper, no matter how old or young you are. Yeah. And those parents, good on them. They're hard taskmasters, and you'll be getting to this stage, we'll both be getting to this stage uh, shortly. I'd hope with our little littlies. If you want to brag and show your mates a photo, if you want a photo of you with this fish, you need to boat it yourself. So that's the rule. That's you... tough parenting, but that's good, solid rules. I think that's solid. It's... Solid as. Yep. Firm but fair. If, if you want to show off, if you want your pick, if you want pride in it, then you need to do it yourself. You own it. You own it. And some of the, the video, I mean, as you could hear, how hard those kids were working to boat those fish. And they did it. Good on them. Thanks for sharing, too. You can... You can message us any time on Facebook. You can call 1300 Mullet any time and leave a message for the tinny. Or you can email fishing at abc.net.au. G'day, Stewie Martin. Did a bit of a trip down to Anson Bay over the weekend, Stu? Yeah, it did, Mike. No, it was a lot of fun. We launched early in the morning at Dundee and kind of made our way around through to the parents. It was a bit of a bumpy trip. As the boys know, I'm a, a big student of the weather. Um, but I got it a little bit wrong this time. That big high in the bite didn't move out as quickly as I thought. So it was actually uh, really cold and, and really windy. It's actually to date the coldest barramundi trip I've ever been on. Flog Bay uh, uh, got you, did it? Yeah, absolutely did. And Anson Bay wasn't much better. Um, we both had on a singlet and our fishing shirts and a, and a rain jacket on oh. over the top. So, yeah, it wasn't a build-up trip, mate. It was, it was a dry season trip in every respect. <laughs> what was the plan when you got down there? So we wanted to fish those coastal creeks in Anson Bay, made our way into Doherty's Creek. We got in there just as that incoming tide started pushing that clean water in. Looked really good. There was heaps of bait. Uh, we kind of put the electric down and started working our way in. 
Most of the snag piles had lots of bait on them and we were having, you know, double hookups uh, on Barrett, most of the good snag piles. So that was a lot of fun. We kind of pushed up the first few bends and, you know, in a couple of hours we got probably 30 or 40 fish. Good numbers. They were good numbers, uh, Mike, but most of them are rats and I'm talking really small fish, probably 30 to 45 centimetres. Lots and lots of reports of, of rats at the moment, doesn't matter sort of where you go. Still, it was, it was, you came away with, what, a good 60-odd fish for your trip, yeah? Yeah, that's right, yeah. We probably landed and released around, around 60 barra. It's obviously a really good sign uh, that the system's healthy and there's been a really large recruitment um, of juvenile barra over you know that large wet season that we had. We stuck around uh, and we ended up trolling uh, 10 and 15-foot classics. Um, and really getting down to that deeper submerged timber and we kind of chipped away at it for the rest of the day and the next morning and we ended up getting you know five or six really good fish between kind of 65 uh, and 85 centimetres so there was some better fish in there. So they were on the troll, those bigger ones? Yeah, yeah, correct. We're getting a lot of the smaller fish casting vibes and and rubbers at the snag piles, Um, but those bigger fish were definitely uh, staying down deep on that deep submerged timber. We were using uh, using our uh, structure scan and, uh, you know, trolling with a 10-foot classic on the inside and a 15-foot on the outside. And, and really, you know, bouncing that deep timber, putting the boat in neutral, twitching those lures through. Yeah, we made some quality fish doing that, so. So, Stu, you did, in terms of numbers, you did all right down there, but the numbers of bigger fish weren't quite up there as you were expecting. What are your ideas on that? That first morning pushing in, hooking all those smaller fish off those snag piles, I actually commented to my mate, I think this system's been heavily netted, and it should be fishing a lot better than this. Um, there was a lot of bait, the water was good, every single snag pile held good numbers of barra, but they were all of a size that obviously would come through uh, through a net. Also, all the bigger fish that we caught looked like resident fish to me. You know, so there's travelling fish that go in and out of a system with the tide, and there's resident fish that, you know, will stay in a system in those deep holes and not go out and get caught in the nets. And they're all darker fish with darker tails, and were probably the few fish that uh, had fortunately stayed in the system uh, and not gone out and got caught in, you know, what we were. We were theorising were, were nets. Sure enough, as we went to exit Doherty's, the commercial netters were there. They were running their nets across the inside of the creek, um, which to my knowledge, you know, they're not supposed to do either. So, yeah, it, 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 it is definitely concerning, Mike, you know, the, the number of fish that these commercial netters are taken particularly in a huge nursery area like that for the Daly River. Doherty's is the largest creek in Anson Bay and has a significant wetland catchment. Uh, it's simply not sustainable. So, Tales from the Tinny. Leaving Anson Bay on the way home, uh, you stumbled across a nice surprise as well? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, that's a, that's a big tip when you're ever doing those big boat runs. Make sure you do have a, a sounder set up so... You know, you, you can mark the bottom while you're going. We, we marked a, a really good showing of fish at speed on the way home and uh, we spun around on it and uh, there was Spaniards, long tails, grey mackerel. Uh, we soon got sick of them so we, we tied gulps on and, and we dropped down to the bottom and we were having double hookups on big goldies, uh, spangled emperor, um, tusk fish. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great way to round out what was already a really good trip. Thanks, Jude. Awesome. Uh, Thanks for having me, Mike.
Well, that's just about it for Tales from the Tinny this week. Thanks to the beard, of course, valiantly out there battling on the streets and at the boat ramps. You see him sauntering up. He's generally on a skateboard or with a surfboard under his arm, wanting to spit a yarn to you at the, the tackle shop. He might look like the kind of guy who drinks avocado, uh, uh, lattes out of an avocado, but he's a nice bloke. Committed to the church of the tinny. Now, thanks for your help this week, Beard. To Stewie Martin, Shorty, Katrina Mullane, Katrina Britnell. Good luck in secret women's business to all the competitors. Hope to hear from you out there over the next week or so. To John, Jacko and rather disappointing performance from Jimmy. Let all the Jimmies of the territory down. You really have Jimmy. Unacceptable. And to Lachlan. And Warren DeWitt, of course. And to you, Packy Andy. Thanks for joining us on Tales from the Tinny. We'll catch you back on the tiller next week. You bet.